Welcome to the Central Peninsula Church Podcast, a podcast all about real life together. My name is Brandon Passion, and I'm the worship director here at CPC, as well as your host for today. In today's episode, I have a conversation with our lead pastor, Mark Mitchell, about what it really means to have hope in the midst of hardship. Here is episode two of the CPC Together Podcast. Hey everyone, it's good to be chatting with you, and I'm here right now with the man, Mark Mitchell. And Mark, I have to tell you that um, this week has been a little bit frustrating for me. Uh, my plans keep getting changed, and uh, trying to you know get Zoom calls going. I kind of thought this would be sort of a vacation, and it's turned out that I don't know if you feel like this, but I feel actually more busy. Than I was before all of this crazy stuff happened. I feel totally like- feel that way. In fact, uh, the other night, you know, I said to Lynn, it was about 8 30, and I said, Man, I'm tired. Like, and it's like, she looks at me like, Why are you tired? But like, like, yeah, I feel like I'm busier than ever working on Zoom calls at home. Oh, I know, death by Zoom call. Yes. So yes. yesterday I kind of hit this breaking point and I went out to the trail behind my house and was walking on it and just tried to ask God to give me a little perspective on this whole thing because I was just getting really frustrated about stuff. And it was really weird, this um, looking at nature. It's like nature had no idea that any of this was going on. Like the birds are still doing their thing. And it, the the scenery was absolutely, it was a beautiful day yesterday. And you look at 101 in the background, there's hardly any cars on it. And it really, um, it was it was a stark contrast to what I was feeling kind of in my soul. It's interesting, too, because right now, like, have you noticed how clear the air is? Like, no no smog, no pollution. You can see forever. I mean, I feel like it was, it was like when I was growing up in the 60s, man. We didn't really have a whole lot of air pollution. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, those were better days. Yeah, they were much better days. I wish I had been alive then. Peace, love, <laughs> happiness. <laughs> Anyway, so um, as I was kind of talking to God, it was pretty cool. God brought this passage to mind, John 15, where he talks about the vine and the branches. And um, he says in there that he's going to bring a harvest and that our job is to remain in him. And um, our only peril is losing our connection with him. And in some cases, like, he's really the only true life source. And I, I started thinking, what kinds of things am I putting my hope in that I have no business putting my, my hope in? And the whole kind of reading that whole scripture and just sort of communing with God in that beautiful setting, it reminded me that, that even though there might be some pruning right now, even though there's some things that are uncomfortable, um, God is doing something, like even in the midst of all this discomfort. And I feel like so many people, myself included sometimes, are looking at this disruption is something that we need to survive. In reality, um, it's not just something to be survived, but God is actually using this chaos. He's actually using this season and he's going to bring about a harvest. And that, that to me is very hopeful. It gives me hope. Yeah, honestly, Brandon, I think that one word for me kind of sums up what I'm trying to focus on, and that is hope. And you think about all the different things that people are hoping for right now. I mean, we're hoping to flatten the curve, right, on the amount of people getting the coronavirus. We're, we're hoping that people who have lost their jobs uh, will be able to get back to work. We're hoping that people who are sick uh, will get well. 
We're hoping for a cure. We're hoping for a vaccine. We're hoping, I know, as a pastor, you know, like I'm really hoping that our churches can, can gather again at some point soon. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of good things that have happened as a result of this for the church. Uh, but the bottom line is, it's not the same. We still really want to be together. I thought a lot about what Paul wrote to Timothy in one of his last letters. Paul said, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. So, you know, Paul uh, wrote letters, right? We know that. And I mean, like, that was a way of communicating back then. Like, that was their Zoom call, right? Letters. But, uh, <laughs> but that wasn't enough for Paul. Uh, he said, I long to see you. I want to be with you. Uh, for me, like standing in front of a camera to an empty auditorium and preaching, like, like those words that Paul said to Timothy take on a new meaning because I, I really, man, I miss people. I miss, I miss seeing those people sitting in the exact same place that they've sat for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I miss hanging out in the lobby after church and shaking hands and praying with people and and having conversations, meeting new people. I miss that stuff a lot. I yeah, really do. It's a, it's a weird vibe um, when you're used to interacting with people. Like there's this, there's an interaction that happens when you're on stage. Yeah. You see people, you know, and, you know, you, we were, we were uh, doing our live stream last week and you and I were just talking about it, how it's just kind of this weird, eerie feeling. We, we, we want to look at the camera and, you know, so it looks like we're looking at everybody and it's just kind of a, a bizarre thing I know. to do. It's it's kind of like what I what I thought about is like those sitcoms where they have that laugh, you know, the laugh yeah. that comes on. <laughs> the canned you know, laughter. Like the canned laughter. Yeah, we we ought to have some canned laughter here. Like nobody's laughing at my jokes. <laughs> I mean, I have pretty bad jokes to begin with, but it's just, it's really bad when there's not a not a not a, a a little giggle even after after I tell a joke. I so, can find some canned laughter. Yeah, no problem. Let's do that. <laughs> so. um one of the things I'm trying to be careful of, Mark, is is to not just kind of speak platitudes. And there's a lot of people that are like really hurting. Are you are you saying that I'm speaking spiritual no, platitudes? Not oh, at all. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, like we want hope. Thanks. Like we like you're talking about hope, and I think it's so important. And um, but sometimes, like you know, if someone's really hurting, like I was just talking to a friend who's just lost his job, you know, hmm. and sometimes God's going to handle it. Doesn't always cut it. You know, it doesn't take care of it. And We've talked a little bit about um, what does it mean to actually have hope? Like, what does that mean to you? Yeah. You know, um, when we talk about hope, uh, one of the lines that comes to mind for me, I think it comes out of Romans 4. I think he's talking about Abraham. Paul's talking about Abraham. And he talks about how Abraham had hope against all hope. So what does that really mean, to have hope against all hope? We keep hoping when everything seems hopeless. And uh, I've been thinking about this, and it reminds me of a story, kind of a weird, bizarre story that comes out of the Old Testament. And it comes out of a chapter in the life of the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, it's, it's found in Jeremiah chapter 32. It takes place about 600 years before Christ. And it was at a time when all that was left of Israel was the southern kingdom of Judah and the city of Jerusalem. And the Babylonians uh, were the enemies, and they were led by this crazy tyrant named Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, I remember way, him from Veggie Tales. Yeah, yeah. And if you if you want to know a good name for your dog, 
call him Nebuchadnezzar. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he sent his troops to Jerusalem. He laid siege to the city. And so the, the people in Jerusalem were cut off from any food, any water supply. It wouldn't be long before the people of Jerusalem would either surrender or die. Um, and many of them eventually would be actually taken into Babylon, into exile. But, but one of the people in Jerusalem was the prophet Jeremiah. And the advice that he gave to the people of Jerusalem was kind of surprising. He actually said, listen, surrender. He said, listen, all of this is happening because God is judging us. We've been disobedient to him, and he's doing exactly what he said he would do if we did that. So we may as well just surrender, take our lumps. Now, you can imagine that was not a very popular message. I mean, a lot of the Israelites viewed Jeremiah as a traitor and even a collaborator with the Babylonians, and they threw him into prison. So Jeremiah is in a really hopeless situation. Hmm. Prison seems a little bit overkill for that, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, just for telling the truth, basically. Yeah, it does, uh, it definitely was overkill. He was not a very well-liked guy, for sure. Um, But while Jeremiah was in prison, uh, something really strange happened. Uh, God spoke to him, and God told him that he would soon have a visitor. Actually, his cousin would come and visit him in prison with a real estate deal. God said that this guy will offer to sell Jeremiah a field in the city of Anatoth, and that Jeremiah was actually to purchase that field. Now, you got to understand, this made absolutely no sense at all. That little village of Anatoth was already occupied by the invading Babylonians. So talk about real estate property plummeting. I mean, the land would have been worthless. It's like, it's kind of like this. If the residents of Foster City found out a massive earthquake would hit the city in a week and that the whole city of Foster City would crumble into the bay. I mean, a lot of people would probably want to sell their property, right? I mean, you could buy a house on the water in Foster City for a hundred bucks. I'm holding out for that day. (laughs) (laughs) You'd buy a few of those, wouldn't you? I would, yeah. Yeah, But, but nobody in their right mind would buy a house then. I mean, the land would be worthless. It's kind of like, think of it this way. Um, remember a few weeks ago when COVID-19 broke out and uh, right when the airline stocks began to fall, what if somebody said, hey, invest in airline stocks, right? I yeah. mean, like nobody would do that because they were just beginning to plummet. Not a great investment. And then everything happened just as God said. Uh, Jeremiah's cousin came he, he, um, and brought Jeremiah uh, or Jeremiah bought the field from him for 17 shekels of silver. By the way, that's very little for a piece of land. That's like 100 bucks for a house in Foster City. But again, the land was worthless. Uh, Jeremiah made the the transaction, um, and he did so in a business-like manner. Right there in jail, a deed was signed in the presence of witnesses. Those who watched must have thought, what a nut. This old prophet has finally gone off his rocker. But Jeremiah gave both copies of the deed of trust to a friend, named Baruch, and he said, seal them up so they can be preserved for a long time. Okay, hold on. Let me summarize this for yeah. a second, because this is, this is a little confused. So Jeremiah goes to prison right, on trumped-up charges, basically, yep. just for telling the truth. Yep. And while he's in prison for something God told him to say, God tells him to buy some worthless land 
for not much money. Correct. And he signs the deed from jail somehow. Yep. And in front of witnesses and seals the deed for a time in the future and a friends or witness or probably cousin, I guess. Everybody uh, must have thought he was insane who yeah. knew that what was going on. Absolutely. <laughs> and so here's a big question, Brandon. Um, why would God have him do such a seemingly foolish thing? It makes no sense at all. And the answer comes in something God says in verse 15 of chapter 32. God says this to Jeremiah. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. So what is God saying? He's saying, though the present value of this land is in the tank, in the future, I'm going to restore this land to my people. I'm not finished with my people yet. The day will come when this land is worth something great again. Houses and vineyards will be bought and sold here. So that's why the deeds had to be preserved for a long time, because the fulfillment Hmm. of the promise wouldn't come for over 70 years. So Jeremiah really was making an investment in the future. Jeremiah was hoping against hope that God's promise would come to pass. Hmm. And I think we're living in a time when as God's people, we're called to do what Jeremiah did. We're called to, to act in a way that might seem totally senseless in the world's eyes, doing things that only really makes sense in light of the promises of God. Yeah. So no matter how hopeless things seem, we have a hope. We have a future. So, so why should any of us like invest time in ministry? I mean, I think of people in our church, Brandon, who, who teach third graders Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, some for decades. I think of people who, who take vacation time to serve needy people in Honduras. I, I think of people who, who give a significant portion of their income month after month so, so we and other churches can make an impact for, for Christ on the peninsula. Mm. Um, so, so during this crisis, even though we're not meeting in our building, uh, we have more people doing God's work than before. And in some ways, it makes no sense at all unless God's promise about his future kingdom is true. I, I think back to what the Apostle Paul wrote. He said, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. And then he said, if the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. So you get the idea. Making an investment in the kingdom of God makes no sense at all if that's all there is. And it makes no sense to other people. <laughs> and it, it won't, yeah. But if God's promises are true, if there's more to life than just what we know and can see here on earth, uh, it, 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 then... It's the wisest investment we can possibly make. So, I mean, that to me, I know it's a weird story and it's kind of a long story, so sorry, but man, it's about hope. You know, it's about doing things now. And what we're doing is we're betting on hope, we're betting on God. And you, you talked earlier about that harvest and you talked about remaining in Him. Why should I remain in Him when nothing's happening? Why should, re- why should I remain in him when I'm sitting in a prison like Jeremiah was and I've got no hope and I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to invest in something that, is abs- that seems, appears absolutely worthless? It's because there's a harvest. Yeah, it's like it's a, 
it's a trust thing. When I, when I was on that walk um, yesterday, just a kind of a closing story here, um, I I've kind of had this weird prompting to text a person that I was in a life group with hmm. probably 10 years ago. Katie and I were in. and So you were like, what, 12? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, and uh, it was just one of those really sweet life groups where you just kind of connect instantly with people and, yeah. and they're... But we haven't talked probably in four years, so I texted him and um, just asked him. I was trying to write a song into this moment because, you know, I'm a songwriter, and I feel like we need an anthem. And I was trying to figure out what does the church need to say in this moment? What is our declaration? And uh, for some reason, you know, I think God probably popped her into my brain, and so I sent her a little text message. And uh, it was the first thing I'd sent in, in years, and I just said, hey, question for you. Um what is the church supposed to be declaring right now in this crazy season? God told me to ask you. <laughs> and she responded back within like a minute. And wow. uh, it says in all caps, I'm reading it. It says harvest of hope 2020. And God downloaded that to her in February. And I asked her to elaborate on it. And I just want to read you what she wrote here um, that I think is just appropriate. Even in, in light of what you just, the story you just shared, Mark, she says, um, we're declaring that now these people, they own a vineyard FYI. So, oh. um, that's where some of this imagery is coming from, but, um, declaring that we will reap a harvest of hope. Don't believe the reports of, of no grape sales, vats full, no buyers, declare a harvest of hope, declare a harvest of souls, declare a fruitful season. The vineyard represents God's people and they are not hopeless. We declare hope and abundant fruit in the vineyard. We planted in hope, promise, and faith, and we shall harvest in hope, promise, of faith. Hashtag harvest of hope 2020. And um, I just felt like that's so appropriate. It lines up exactly with what you're talking about, that God is doing something. God is going to bring about this harvest. He's going to use this time, and we need to lean into him and trust that even though we don't see it, even though other people might think, man, that looks crazy, like what are you guys doing, that this is a time where we can actually rejoice and kind of be excited for what God's going to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I I like that harvest of hope idea. I think that um, it reminds us that, you know, I mean, I'm not a farmer or anything, or I don't run a vineyard, but, you know, I think I know enough about, about that kind of thing to know that, man, it takes time to produce fruit and you got to be really patient and you got to endure some hard times and some waiting, and and I just think that that that's a season that we're in. I, I have no idea why God is allowing this to happen, and uh, but I do believe that God has a purpose, and I believe it's good, and I believe it it's a purpose that comes out of His His everlasting love for us, and His desire for people to know the truth, His desire for people to know that there there is a God in heaven who who truly loves them and is really the source of life and the source of hope and uh and you know sometimes he uses stuff like this to get our attention hmm. and so that's for sure um yeah and uh so yeah harvest of hope um let's be about hope everybody let's um let's be let's be jeremiah's who um who kind of feel like maybe we're sitting in prison um, in our houses, in our living rooms, in our family rooms, sheltering in place, and yet making investments in the kingdom, making investments in what God will do. Let's do that. 
Well, I love it, man. Hey, thanks for the conversation, Mark. And I hope this has been an encouragement to all of you listening. Um, let's keep the hope and um, as we continue to pursue Jesus in this crazy time. Love you guys. and We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Central Peninsula Church Podcast. 